a decisive woman trusts herself Mm -hmm. and like really isn't scared of the power and implications of her decisions, whether they're amazing or whether they end up really chaotic and bad. Because when you're connected to your intuition, it's the superpower of always being able to extract the wisdom from even the worst decisions. Out of all of the podcasts I've recorded, this is absolutely one of my favorites. I was invited on the North Star podcast, and this is where you're going to be hearing this from, by a dear friend, Mackenzie. And we explore how I have cultivated a deep relationship with my intuition, so much so that all of my decisions are guided from that place rather than only relying on logic or fear to drive my decisions. I share things I've never shared on the podcast before about my relationship, about um, my experience getting started in the business world and how my intuition really led and guided me to exactly what I'm doing today as a business coach and as a Reiki practitioner. And definitely stick around until the end because I have a really exciting announcement about a retreat that we have coming up. So sit back, get cozy, and enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening to She's Too Much. I am sending you so much love and gratitude. Enjoy. Little, I'll call her like Little Sammy, was just really like a free spirit, like really marched to the beat of her own drum, kind of head in the clouds, which I thankfully have learned to work with over the years and learn to be a little bit more grounded because I definitely love to live in a dream land. Like I always kind of joke, like if I could just do Reiki all day, like I probably would (laughs) um, because I do really love to be in a very angelic, ethereal place. And it's funny because I'm also like a business strategist and a leadership coach, which is very grounded. So I've really had to develop those qualities and find my ways to work with them in a way that still felt like very free and very light and very feminine. I had like imaginary friends as a kid, which always just kind of makes me laugh. I don't have like the shame around it anymore or like the little weird judgments that I used to put. But yeah, I had like seriously imaginary friends for like years. And my parents were really cool in the sense that they, my whole family, like cousins, aunts, uncles, I probably, this was until I was maybe like seven or six, they supported it. Like they would put a plate out at the dinner table and be like, yep, like mouse is here. This person's here. Da, da, da. They were usually like animals. And I just, you know, I wasn't shamed for like who I was and for the connection with what I really think were like actual spirit guides at that point. Now that I've evolved in my own spiritual path, like I believe that all those things that I was seeing and experiencing in the imaginary lands I was making up and tuning into were real. And so I would say how that informed me now is that like, I still like very much believe in magic. Like I don't see like little, like store little kind of mouses in front of me here with you today, but I definitely have developed like my clairvoyance and my clairaudience and I've done so just from an adult standpoint. So she's very much still active in me. Oh my God. I love all of that so much. And it's, it's so relatable. I mean, I didn't quite have imaginary friends, but, uh, you know, I believe very much in Harry Potter. I thought that was 
real. I was like, this is the code to the real world. Like there's another world. <laughs> totally. So, you know, our imaginations are so beautiful. And and as you said, like spirit guides, like, uh, like presented to you as a kid. And I love that so much. Yeah. So now today you balance, as you said, between the Reiki work that you do, the business strategy work. How do you do that? What does that look like? What is your... I don't know if you have a day-to-day. Is it different every day or how does it all look? It is pretty different every day. There's definitely core themes in it, which actually do represent, I would say, both sides. And my company's name is Zen Boss. Mm -hmm. And so like when I named it that six years ago, I had just like dipped my toe into meditation and mindfulness and like a little bit of Jack Cornfields and Michael Singer and Untethered. So like, you know, they're like, spiritual starter pack of wanting to quiet the voice in your head and start to like live more from your heart, et cetera. And I picked that name. And now six years later, I still realize I know nothing about Zen. And it was so little about what it really means to live like really with an open heart. Yet I I have those daily practices that keep me in that space of compassion and of love and of Reiki energy and naming my company that all those years ago was like the best thing I could have done for myself because it was actually like an aspiration that I had, not really necessarily anything I was living. Like I was living far from like what a Zen boss would be. Mm-hmm. I was like burning out, working for a startup right before that and was bringing a lot of those like very hyper masculine, mm-hmm. bro mentality ways of growing a business into my mm-hmm. work as much mm-hmm. as I didn't want to. And so the name actually ended up being like a compass for me to like work towards how do I actually be that person who doesn't get flustered when the deadline's coming up, who like really, you know, is comfortable extending deadlines, who really does meditate in the morning, who really, you know, does breathe with her clients at the start of a call and like does so for them, but also does so for myself just as much. And so, yeah, it's been an evolution of finding what that balance means. But I would say on the day to day, it's just it's the constant balance of it. It's like noticing how far I'm pushing myself because sometimes it's really fun to work and it's fun to strategize and it's fun to create content or write or whatever it is. But, you know, there's something in uh, Tao that, you know, always leave a little in the reserves. And that's something that I'm really working on is like, How do I push back? Maybe push back isn't the word, but I'll say push back on the culture that I was raised in to like go harder, like Tony Robbins, one more, like push yourself until the end, like very berries, like just go until exhaustion and say like, no, like actually the key to the life that I want to live is always leaving a little bit for myself so that I can actually live this life that I'm really enjoying sustainably for so long. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially being in New York, I can only imagine how important it is that you're connected to that, that why that you have for yourself. Mm, yeah. I I always say like, I think people come to New York to feed their ego or to try to dissolve it. Um, and if you are centered in your practices and like, for example, the first month I was here, I was going out like three times a week to jazz shows and mm-hmm. dancing and museums and dinners, spending a ton of money eating out like every meal, coffees, matchas out, baked goods, like 
you can walk out your door and spend $100 and just be so stimulated all the time. Now it's been some months and I'm like cooking 95% of my meals. I'm like really into my practices. I got off of coffee because the energy here is so, so intense that you just really have to like open a window to feel it, especially if you're a really sensitive person. And so I've just realized though, if you're grounded, it's such a beautiful place to live. And I feel more grounded than I ever have because the contrast of my internal state and the chaos outside my window it's amazing because it makes you realize like, wow, like I am in my own little bubble, my own little home here. And I get to like watch this wild, beautiful madness unfold as I'm in my protection. And that's kind of just how I feel in life. And this is like really good spiritual school because you can I can be around people who are like bugging and I'm good. Like I can mm. see it even if it's directed at me, which is rare, thankfully, but I can be in my in my protection, in my love bubble and stay connected to myself. So New York has been great for that. It's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I love that so much. I mean, I'm such a fan of New York. Every time I go there, I feel so good. I actually don't even leave that. A lot of people leave being overwhelmed in all this. And I'm like, I love it. I feel like I could stay. So I love hearing that because not a lot of people would describe it in that way. And that is probably what it is. Like, you can be within yourself. You don't have to let the whole city, like, you know, take over your your field, like your energetic field. Like you can just stay still within it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. So when did okay? So what was it like? I'm trying to this timeline. Like you were stressed, you were burnt out. Where were you then? Like what did life look like, and how did you know it was time to change things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is it's actually quite interesting with we were talking about potentially exploring indecision. Yeah. And how, you know, sometimes like the universe makes decisions for us and sometimes we got to make decisions on our own. And I would yeah. say thankfully it didn't, I wouldn't have referred to it as like a gift then, far from it. But the universe definitely made the decision for me to leave my really only job I've ever had other than working for myself. And at the time I was running a startup in Gainesville, Florida. So I went to school at the University of Florida and I had come across these like two older men. One was a naturopath, one was a chef. And it was like one of the first times my intuition like really started speaking for me. Like there was really no, like things just started coming out of my mouth. And I was like, what the hell? Like, and I had to rise to the occasion. I met them and I was like, do you need an intern? They were making these amazing adaptogenic soups before like the hype of Reiki, Reishi and, you know, all of these amazing herbs that I feel like are so commonplace now. And I was like, do you need an intern? They were like, yeah, sure. And then I was like, I would love to rebrand your whole company. And then I'd get home and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I have no graphic design skills. I'm like a junior in college. And then I'm like, you know, I would love to do this. I would love to run your social media. I would love to write you a press release. And then I would just go on Google and like figure out how to do all these things. And they had one investor who just like loved their company. And he ended up being a great mentor to me. He had like a huge multi hundreds of millions of dollar exit and was just an older man investing in these small businesses in Florida. And he was like, you're doing really great. Like, I'll invest more money if you can get the sales up this much. I'll invest more money if you can secure a contract with this grocery store chain. And I'm like, what? (laughs) So it just became this really fun little game. I ended up becoming the CEO and worked with them for over a year and was going all around Florida raising hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I was petrified and 
absolutely had no idea what I was doing, but I loved it. And my ego definitely loved it because I was doing really well. And I was working legitimately 70 hours a week, drinking like six cups of coffee, like classic burnout story, rashes all over my body, Mm -hmm. hair falling out in clumps. Like it was not a good sitch. So you would think just from the health issues, I may say like, maybe not. But it really wasn't until my dad started developing um, some serious health issues that it was like the universe saying, you're done here. And in the moment where I was on the phone with one of his doctors, because if anybody's listening to this and has had a sick family member, you just think it's going to get better. Like, that's just what you think. Like, it's your best friend. Like, my dad really was, still is, like, my my person. And you just think it's going to get better. It's going to get better. And then I remember I had one conversation with a doctor And he was saying like, yeah, he has stage four now renal disease. Like he can't really live without dialysis five days a week, et cetera. And my dad at the time was only 58. And I, in he didn't say it, but it was like in between his words, I could feel like he's not going to be here for that long. And I just remember like that day emailing the founders and packing up my bags. And in a week we were out of Florida and moved back to New Jersey for a while. So And also in that moment, I was like, I can never work for anybody again. Like, it really made me realize like, oh my gosh, like I would, I think people like look at entrepreneurship and think like, oh, it's the freedom and the money and the travel. But really like what matters to me is like that I get to pick and choose when I get to see the people I love. And like, if I want to be a mom one day, which I do, like, I want that freedom to be like, my baby's sick. I want to stay home. You know, like, and I, I'm going to cancel my meetings because that's okay. I can. And so I really decided that morning that I got that phone call, like, I'm never going to work for anybody again. And I ended up just sending out an email to all of the people that I networked with and said I could do a lot of things that I couldn't do, <laughs> but I knew I could figure it out or hire somebody to do it and project manage it. And I that turned into a marketing agency and a social media agency. And then it's evolved over time into more of just coaching. So yeah, that's that's been the journey. Wow. You know, it's so interesting that sentence that you said with respect to your desire for entrepreneurship really comes down to wanting to that freedom to be wherever your family or your loved one or whoever needs you or you need to be there yeah. for. I think I said or wrote or something that exact sentence like two-ish weeks ago going through something within my own family. And I was like, this is it. This is why I've been doing everything I've been doing the past two years. That's what it's for. It's for that ability to just be able to go like, okay, I'm leaving in three days. I'm going like, that's yeah. it. Oh, just yeah. You like remember like those are the, uh, that's it. Like I can't think of anything more important in life. And so imagine to have a noose around your neck and granted a lot of companies are really lovely these days and they are sympathetic, but that's that totally resonates with me. I was like, when you said that, I was like, I cannot believe she just said that. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 So you went from there and you like, at what point did Reiki come in? And was there any like throughout this process? Because we do want to talk about decision making. So to anyone listening, we've talked about intuition's role as well in making decisions. So what, before we go to Reiki, actually, what difficult decisions have you had to make along this road, this entrepreneurial road? And can you speak to how you've like had to bring that intuition into that process? Yeah. So, oh my gosh, I feel like if you want to get good at making decisions, 
like just start a business mm-hmm. or honestly if you want to get worse at making decisions <laughs> but honestly it's like i always say to new clients like the best tangible skill set that you can develop is decisiveness and a decisive person and like i'll i'll specifically also speak to like a decisive woman trusts herself mm-hmm. and like really isn't scared of the power and the implications of her decisions, whether they're amazing or whether they end up really chaotic and bad. Because when you're connected to your intuition, it's the superpower of always being able to extract the wisdom from even the worst decisions. And that to me is like how you lead a life and lead as a leader with faith. And if you can always see the lesson and the wisdom in it and also know when there is a path that you could take that you've already extracted all of the wisdom out and say, I've already learned these lessons. I'm not going down this path again. Mm-hmm. Then you become a really, really good leader. So, I mean, the biggest decisions, you know, leaving the company was an easier one because I was like, I have to do this, right? I would say, I'm trying to think, let's feel into like what really big decisions mm-hmm. I had to make. I mean, I started with social media. And it was like very lucrative off the bat because people hate doing their social media, but I hated doing their social media. Like (laughs) I'm all down for a strategy session. I do VIP days where we map out all your content and do all of it. I don't want to post for you. I don't want to post for myself. (laughs) I don't want to be involved in it. I really don't. But I did it for probably two years. And I was building websites and doing all of these techie things that I really didn't want to be doing, but thought I had to because, you know, of my age and lack of experience and all these things. And so I remember when I decided to shut that whole side of the business down. And it was after like somebody was a a client was upset that their social wasn't growing quick enough and think that like they Mm -hmm. should be going viral overnight, whatever. Yeah. Like, this is not my highest value. Like, people are paying me for something that if I'm not jazzed and enjoy to be doing their social media, they should really find someone who is. Mm -hmm. And I really find the thing, which is really more of that one-on-one experience with somebody that lights me up because they're going to get the best value out of me. And so the decision to close that down was really hard because I wiped all my income off the table. And had to like really decide like, okay, people are only going to hire me for the coaching side of it, not to really do the thing with my hands. And I actually see that a lot with clients when they want to move away from hands-on service to more of like a teaching or packaging their what they would be doing for somebody into like a course or a program or a book. It's really hard because we put so much value into what we can produce rather than just who we are and realizing that a lot of the incredible wisdom that we have, sometimes it's just our energy. Like realizing when I started doing Reiki, getting certified and bringing that into um, sessions, I was like, wait a minute, people are really just paying me for my energy. Could I actually create a whole career where people literally just pay me for my energy? That sounds crazy, but it's I'm living that reality now. Because I had like a little bit of a glimpse of a vision that that could actually be possible for me. Yeah, yeah. And that little glimpse, it's just out of curiosity, how does that come to you? You know, for someone who's trying to develop their intuition, because that's what I would align that with, like that like first intuitive spark almost. Does that come through to you? A visual comes into your mind. Do you hear, um, sometimes I hear full sentences and I'm like, okay, that's it. 
I don't know what it looks like for you. I'm so just curious. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's like it depends on the time. And I think it depends on like what I think we all have little intuitive. um, We either have like intuitive tools that we're using, like, you know, our messenger tools, our spiritual tools, like Oracle cards or even just writing or like collaging or drawing things that we're doing that could be like conduits and vehicles for divine messages to come through. Art's a huge one. Some people find that through like developing their sexuality and being in their body through dance, through movement, through even like working out. So I think it depends on in my life, like what I'm feeling the most curious about, because that always becomes my medium for intuition and for seeing and really honing in and getting clear on all the different paths that are available to me. Because I really do believe that there's not just one highest path Mm -hmm. that we could take. And I think people get so wrapped up in this narrative of like, well, like if I make this decision, is it going to keep me, you know, connected to my highest self? There's countless, there's infinite paths that we can take that'll be in alignment with all of the versions of us that can exist in this lifetime. And so I think what I would say is just get curious about what you're curious about. And that will become a medium for the messages that you're looking to receive about where to go next. So if you're like, I'm really into poetry right now. Incredible. I've written these poems that are absolutely like prophets for what my future is going to be and what relationships are going to be like. They're not speaking from past experience. They're totally drawing in wisdom for my future, for my future husband, et cetera. And in the past, that's just come through when I feel like my clairvoyance was like really coming online, just lots of sitting in meditation with beautiful music and just transporting to those places in my life, like seeing New York and seeing the view out my window. But that's, you know, those things come and go and I think develop at different times. So just lean into whatever you're curious about right now and then decide that that'll be a spiritual messenger, spiritual portal for you. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. And what like, you know, barriers, let's say, do you notice that people have with that? Like, is there a, a fear of trusting the self, a fear of trusting what comes through? What difficulties do people encounter with this process? Oh, my gosh. So Betty, I'm like, which one do we pick? Your audience is mostly women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Late 20s to mid 30s around there. Awesome. So I would say I'm going to reference, we'll get a little nerdy. I'm going to reference that it was like a business, Harvard Business Review paper. And this is probably not going to be shocking to anybody, but I like to share these things because it's the reality that we live in in our society. And I think when we have a true awareness of how we downplay our gifts and our greatness, that we could stop doing it and also stop call out our friends when they're doing it or our clients. So there was a study done and basically the results was around like confidence in men and women and why men's voices get heard and get trusted more than women's do. Mm -hmm. And so essentially it found that women are way less likely to talk about what they're good at because if they talk about what they're good at, they're feared that they won't be liked. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also that men are more likely to minimize their doubt in themselves where women are more likely to downplay their certainty. And this is just the society that we live in because every single big leader, still the majority of CEOs, I think it's like eight, nine percent right now, Fortune 500 companies are women, maybe 10 percent, like 
our world is still run by men. Like we know this. And so we have to understand the implications of that as women when we're feeling like we don't want to use our voice or we don't want to like make these big decisions. Well, it's because our world has been designed to say like, well, we a man could probably do it better because that's what's mirrored to us for our whole lives. And so it's really the decision to say that I can embody this confidence before I'm confident. And that doesn't mean like, you know, saying that you can speak Spanish on a resume when you you can't because you're hoping that you're going to Duolingo yourself in a month, right? <laughs> but it really does mean literally practicing what it feels like to be that confident, mm-hmm. like in your body and really getting attuned to the frequency of that confidence within yourself. And then you got to act on it. Mm-hmm. And you have to allow yourself to Put yourself in positions to make decisions and realize that even if your decision has negative implications for you and for other people, like for a team, trust in yourself if you have love in your heart and you really mean to do things with good intentions, that even your worst decisions are a part of other people's journey. Like, I really do believe that now. I think especially women, because we are so caring, we are so compassionate, we are so empathetic, we're so worried about disappointing people and worried that our decisions as friends, as mothers, as girlfriends, as leaders could have negative consequences. So what do we end up doing? Nothing. Or we end up doing all these other things that we actually don't want to do because we're worried that it will make other people uncomfortable or it'll disappoint other people. And I actually think living with this mentality that our decisions could bring um, discomfort to other people, like if you say you want to move, but you're worried that your family's going to be upset, or you want to, you know, be an influencer, start a business, but you're worried about how your partner is going to feel about it. You protecting them from their own discomfort and needing to see the insecurities in themselves of why you living in your truth makes them so uncomfortable. I really do believe I'm giving them a gift now. Like I, you know, that's just my belief system that if I'm acting in accordance with love and with truth for myself, even if it's 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 making somebody uncomfortable, let that shit rise. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. that's what a leader does. Somebody who trusts themselves activates stuff in other people. And then it's their journey. It's their decision if they want to look at it or not. Oh my God. Yeah. That is so brilliant that you said that. It's so true. And it, it's, I've noticed that within myself, it's something that I need to sort of uh, practice because, you know, growing up and as exactly as you spoke to, like with everything with respect to women and maybe being a more extreme case, but like even things like, you know, if I was with my dad or with my boy or with someone and like I chose the movie and then I would notice, oh my God, okay, I'm noticing how they're reacting to this movie. Very like simple example, but like I would notice what, and then I would be like, well, Mackenzie, actually just pull back. Like you don't need to monitor their reaction, monitor their interest, monitor blah, 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 to basically ensure that, as you said, that they're comfortable in this situation. But it's a practice because it took, it's still taking actually with certain things like time, right? I could not relate more to what you just said. And it shows up so much in every area, like picking where to eat. Like, oh my gosh, I picked this place. They don't like it. Oh my gosh, I didn't know she was gluten-free. There's like nothing on the menu. And then all of a sudden, your experience is trash. And then really, like why people love you is because, and when they get to connect with you the most is when you're comfortable in yourself. You really can't be present with somebody if who's in their head 
we worrying about monitoring the experience. We've all been that person. We've all seen that person. And it's so uncomfortable. And it's like they put up all of these walls, like because they're not even allowing themselves to be in themselves, which really more than anything, like your dad and your brother just want to spend time with you. Totally. They just want to be with you, you know, like that's really what it is. So I agree. I I try so hard. And I think in my partnership that showed up a lot mm-hmm. was like monitoring his experience and his comfort totally at the sacrifice of my own. And then realizing, and I think he said it to me one day, like, hey, I'm a grown man. Like if I am not comfortable in this situation, like that's fine. Like I'll either get out of it or make a different decision next time. Like I got myself. So it's trusting and giving people the opportunity to take care of themselves Mm. and also to learn like, damn, maybe I'm not really that into (laughs) rom-coms. Like, She's picked this the last three times and they have to you give them an opportunity to learn their voice Mm. to like really learn or learn their preferences and use their voice. And if they don't want to. That's their experience and they get to sit with that. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's it's such a it's sort of like it really like lights something in my brain, just like what you speak about in terms of like you're basically gifting someone the opportunity for their own growth. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that we grow. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we make sometimes like poor decisions, but also like when I, I talk about this with my therapist a lot, actually, because I feel this sense of guilt when. I don't say yes to plans or I I feel like I need to say to somebody like a new friend, for example, like I'm actually not free until like December. Like uh-huh. Truly, like, I have plans. I have this. I have that. I have these focuses. But I feel like such a like jerk saying that. And she was like, why? And I was like, well, because I don't want to disappoint them. And she's like, it's not your responsibility to protect everybody. And also, yeah, they're going to feel a little let down. They're going to get over it. Like you're just a new friend. And I was like, you're right. Like they're going to feel disappointed for five minutes that I I can't hang out with them for a month. They're going to forget about it in five minutes. Like, but I'm sitting here for half my morning feeling so bad. And it's like, we don't need to be doing that. And if they have to sit with disappointment for five minutes, amazing. Like that makes us well-rounded people. Indeed. Oh my God. Yeah. And I think the, the other thing that maybe the thing that we really are fearful of when that comes true, right? Like you have the person who's kind of like, what? And they kind of freak out. I think in my experience, I know many people have had this experience. It's like, that's when you know, or took me a few years still with a friend. (laughs) And then realizing, oh, wait, this is actually not a healthy dynamic, right? Like I can actually get rid of this friendship because it's not healthy. It's not certain. And you would never know that too. And I've done the same thing. Like I've been in friendships for so long because I'm like, well, I feel like she's not going to be my friend unless I hang out with her like once a week. And then over time, you're like, wait a minute, all of my best friends in the world, I could go months, some of my girlfriends, six months, we get together and it's like the best. And that's, it's a different level and it's a different understanding too of, I think, like how people value love and friendship. Like I, my desire for everyone in my life is to live in their highest truth. And so, and their highest, most authentic lives. And so if my best friend who happens to live in New York now, and we happen to live in California too, our our lines just line up, thankfully. If she said tomorrow, like, I'm going to move across the world because I feel like that is where I'm, I belong in Australia, mm-hmm. I would be devastated, but I would rather see her three times a year in her highest joy than see her three times a week living a half-lived life. 
Mm-hmm. And like that is how I believe that the people who really love me and really want to celebrate me, if that means that I can't see them or you know, I can't come to every single party or whatever that is because that means that I'm living truly like in my truth and that makes them happy, then that's a real friend that I want. Like that's a real relationship and it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we can, and that's, it's like when we say this, it sounds so like obvious. Like I've been in that with with my partner, been like, you know, I'll be down, let's say, because maybe I don't want to say a wrong decision, but maybe a misaligned decision was made, which happened in the summer. We chose a place that sucked to live. Let's let's just put it that way. And the first two days, I'm like in bed. I'm like, this is, you know, just like dramatics. Like, I'm like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Like, I can't go on. (laughs) Like, like, let me just like change here and like pass out now. And like. You know, because at first, like, I, I thought, okay, like, maybe he wanted this kind of environment. It's this sort of thing. Like, we were trying to navigate good, like, a decent price, blah, blah, blah. Also, like, he likes peace, nature, blah, blah, blah. While Whilst there, I was not the same human. And particularly those first few days of adjustment. And he was like, I don't want this. I don't want this. This is not you. You are not this person. And I think that all of our friends, partners, blah, 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 they all would have that reaction it's like we want you exactly as you said in your highest essence vibration you know your true self totally yeah it's it says it's like it seems so simple but it's our wounding that prevents us from actually Mm -hmm. experiencing people like that Mm -hmm. which i get and i think like part of the reason why it's so hard for people to get connected to their own intuition is like well, am I looking at my life through my wounding and my fear or am I looking at my life through love and through faith and through trust? Mm. And I think like we talked about briefly in the beginning, like cultivating the muscle of always understanding and quickening the process of extracting the wisdom Mm -hmm. without it taking so long. Mm -hmm. Like that's like my personal intuition, like little experiment that I'm always playing with myself. Like it took me the last probably three years of my relationship, of my intuition speaking up every single day saying it's time to leave, like, but going back and forth. And Mm -hmm. it was because I was looking at it truly just through all of the fear lens. Like, Mm -hmm. if I leave, where the hell am I going to live? Can I afford an apartment? Do I want to live in a city by myself? Am I ever going to find somebody who loves me as much as he does or as much as I love him? Like, can I make it on my own? I don't even want to be. I've never really been single as an adult. Like, this seems gross. I don't want to go on apps. Like, all of the fear stuff. Like, I don't like to do like, you know, he's so good at building furniture. Like, all the things. Like, yeah. all the fears, all of the, also the woundingness of like, can I be alone? I don't have my dad anymore. Like, mm-hmm. who is this masculine protector energy in my life? And so it's like, okay, you can look at all of that and the big and small decisions that you want to make in your life. Or you can really decide to just allow yourself to dream a little bit. Like you asked, like, how do you get to see these little visions and whatnot? Mm-hmm. Literally, like it's just sitting down and asking yourself, what is the best possible scenario that this could be? And like we hear this, like people say, like, what's the best possible scenario? Like I'm sure you guys have heard this, but do you do it? Like, do you get a piece of paper and say, best case, what would this be? Mm-hmm. And I did it. And the best case was, thriving, making more money than ever, living maybe in New York City, living in LA, hosting retreats, launching a podcast, like all of these things where I'm like, 
if this is what being single could look like, that's what I want. And really, I really will say it is what I'm living. And it took a minute, but I'm like, fears, I'm just going to go with my go with love, go with my dreams. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think that's one of the hardest things. And sometimes that's even hard to hear on the end uh, because I also know there's some listeners who have been single for years and years and years. So I also get that and the pain of that. But I think equally, if you're in something and you feel you cannot get out for whatever story narrative that you've given yourself, that is so hard. That is so challenging. Find a vision holder. That is like my, if you can't do it for yourself, you have to find somebody to hold the vision for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like what my favorite people in my life do for me is they hold a vision when I can't. And I think that's also the best way to support somebody who's going through a really bad time and a really hard time and who like when I first separated from my partner, I was so devastated and in such a trauma response, like couldn't breathe, couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, threw my back out like six times in a month. Like, and everybody was like, your life, like they could see it for me. And we can all see that for the people we love. Like, you know, like I know everybody listening to this like has a girlfriend who's like, I can see them with a better partner, with a better job. They're so gifted. They're so talented. But it's like, don't be afraid to hold that vision and tell them about it. Like, I really do believe that we are also intuitives for the people that we love and that we can tune into their highest paths and their highest frequency because we know them. And our if your souls are connected, like our souls, for whatever reason, we're supposed to be here doing this. Yeah. And so talk to them about it. Tell them, I see you in a relationship with so much love. I see you with a man, with a woman who listens to you so deeply and hold that vision for them. And then when you're in that situation, anybody who can't hold the vision, those are not the people you turn to. And you know if they probably can't hold the vision because one, they're not articulating it to you. They're mirroring back your fears. And two, their life in that specific lane, whether it be you're struggling with, you want to leave your job, you want to leave your partnership, you want to move across the country. you got to be specific about the people that you go to. Because if they're in a relationship that isn't lighting them up, they're not going to hold a big, beautiful vision for you likely. Some people can do that because they've accepted that their path in this area of their life is what it is. Mm-hmm. But really find those people and tell them that you need them there. You need them and and lean on them and accept that help and open up your heart to it because oof, like you can hang on to that for a long time until you start to believe it. Thank God my sister and my girlfriends all said, you're going to be fine. You're going to learn how to take the subway. You're going to find a place. And I was like, really? And now I'm like, okay, cool. I believe it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And what about for someone, this might be another topic actually, but I do love to ask the question about, you know, French, if you did move to New York and as an adult making friends, it can be hard to talk to a few people about that. Have you gone through the process at all in the past while of making new friends and, and, or do you just have any advice about that for people who are like, I don't have any vision holders in my life. My friends kind of suck or whatever the reality is. They're just small. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy you asked this question because I'm actually obsessed with friendship topics. I'm like, you know, one of the seven Google folders that I have is a book on, on friendships. So I'm like, yes, let's talk about friendship. So I, not so much. Well, I'm definitely pulling out these tools here, but thankfully like I have a couple of girlfriends here already, which Mm -hmm. 
obviously one of the easiest ways to make friends just as like one of the quick many ways is to just ask to be introduced to people. So even if a friend of yours doesn't live in the city, like when I moved here, all of my friends in like Austin, Florida, California, they obviously knew I was moving to New York. And I said, do you know any incredible women like I, I think I probably said anybody, but I also <laughs> love like to be around like artists and female founders and et cetera. So yeah. do you know any people who are living in New York? If so, can you make an intro? And multiple people did that. And so literally just asking anyone, friends, family members, cousins, do you know anybody who you think I would vibe with? Just sending out that message is like one of the best ways to get started. And then also... Uh, I think the reason why it's so hard to make adult friends is not because there's like a lack of opportunity. And all, of course, I'm in New York City, so there's like so much to do. But even when I was in like a way more like sleepy suburban, like San Diego suburb town, you can find so many places. So like, you know, of course, like you can even search like a Facebook group. There's this app called Geneva where you can go in and put like I'm into hiking, I'm into collaging, I'm into art go on Facebook. Like, it's not weird. Like, people like are using technology to find people with similar interests. Type in hiking community, San Diego, hiking community, Michigan, whatever it is, whatever you're into. Like, just go find those communities. When I got here, I was like, I really miss writing poetry. And like, I love listening to people read their poetry. It's like one of my favorite ways to like connect with my own creativity and my own intuition. So I just went on Instagram and put like, Poetry NYC, Poetry Brooklyn, went on Facebook, found these poetry groups. Within a month, I went to three events and I had friends. So it's like like connections, little budding friendships. So it's like, okay, start with obviously what you're curious about, what you're interested in, and even things that you think you would probably suck at, go anyways, because there's nothing more endearing than somebody who just owns that they're new. So like if you go to like a sexy dance class, like which I do all the time and I'm literally the worst one in the room because <laughs> I, I don't have a beat. I'm like, oh, I feel so terrible at this. And then people are like, oh, my God, great. So just own it. So go follow your curiosity, find those communities. But then also it's like the really hard part is speaking <laughs> and actually saying, hi, my name's Sam. If you just moved to a new place, when I say just moved, you give yourself a year window. Hmm. There is nothing like saying, I just moved here. People will open up to you in a way that like they won't if you don't say that. So like yeah. everywhere you go, the coffee shop, the yoga studio, the grocery store, oh, I just moved here. The reason for that is, is that people love to be helpful. Hmm. So immediately they're going to be like, oh, what neighborhood do you live in? Where are you coming from? And it's a great way to like open up into that like beyond small talk. And then also you know, it's just about saying, hi, I'm Sam. Like, have you been to this class before? Hi, do you live in the neighborhood? Like, come up with these little one-liners and then you're going to see if the energy's there. And if the energy's not there, that's fine. But don't get discouraged. Like, you practice that every day. Last tip I'll give is compliments. Like, cultivate the ability to give a genuine compliment because nothing lets people's guards down, especially women, than giving a compliment because we walk around thinking that we're being judged. Hmm. Like that's the reality. If anybody's ever experienced another person looking at them without a smile, we think they're judging us. Oh my God, my acne, my hair, my skin, my mustache, my cellulite, like (laughs) outfits weird. Like that's where our brain goes to. And so it's the practice of 
looking at people and having the confidence to say that trench coat is amazing or, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like your eyebrows are incredible or, oh my gosh, I just, the way that you led that meditation at the beginning of the yoga class was like the best part of my entire week. Like you have such a gift for it. Thank you so much. Practice. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, that's so true. I was just thinking that drudged something up for me when you said meditation of going to yoga retreats. I think that's the main hub where I've met like a huge group of new people kind of all at once. And I felt like I was in high school again. But exactly that, what you just said is exactly it. Like is that thing of being of, of that compliment. It's so amazing when people start to open up and they're like, yeah, like, where are you from? Like if you're, if it's visible that you're not from there or they just, I mean, it's so beautiful when you see people start to sort of like, it's like a flower opening and you're like, you, you, know, you feel that like warm connection, like that, like, yeah, just that energy formed between you two. And speaking to a Reiki master, actually, I know you, you know that. And I love that you said that. That was the best answer anyone's ever given, by the way, <laughs> the friendship. But it's so yeah, I've thought about it a lot because I really do like I love making friends. It's my whole life. Like I want to make as many friends as I can and and watch people blossom. I love that you said that. And it's really cool because if you get into the practice of that, your entire outlook on the world changes because I have seen even like, you know, there's these memes in New York City about um, hostesses and hosts and hostesses. I don't know. I don't know how to say that. Yeah, hostesses. And hosts. I was a hostess, I I think. I don't know. I don't know. The people at the front of the bougie restaurants in New York mm-hmm. City. Yeah. There's these memes. I don't know if you know, but it's like that they're cruel. Like stone face. Like if you go on TikTok and you put like NYC host or okay. like hostess, it's hilarious. They're like, you know, they'll like answer the phone and they're like, yeah, no, we don't have a reservation until next year. Like just like hilarious. <laughs> like, you know, so-and-so, well then you're not getting in or just like completely ignore you and like you know, it's just this, it's this like cool girl, like they're all dressed in black. All of the hosts are like drop dead gorgeous. It's here. the Sex in the like, City models. episode. Do you remember that? Yes. Episode? 100%. 100%. Yeah. So it is kind of like that. Like I've had people come and visit and they're like, oh my gosh, I feel like this waitress hates me or this host hates me. And I'm like, they don't, they're actually really sweet. It's just Sometimes in New York, it's like people develop a more hardened demeanor to like protect themselves. And like also when you're a host, like you've been one, you're like at the battlefield of oh, people who are the angry, <laughs> starving. You're seeing people at their worst. There's like yeah. nothing worse than people who are hungry. No, like, it's tr- like being customer service um, place. It's the worst. Exactly. It's, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I think they just have this shell and it's really fun to live here because I always find a reason to vibe with them. Like always, like either we'll laugh about my pile of supplements that are like on the plate next to me. And she's like, oh, I see you. And I'm like, yeah, I know supplement life. And then we're laughing. We're like, you know, it's complimenting her outfit if I genuinely think that. And it's so fun to get into the practice of that because I don't ever look at anybody anymore and be like, she looks like a bitch. Like, oh, she looks like she's like really rude or like, damn, this waitress is being a jerk or whatever. I never think that. And I hear people say it all the time. It's like, that's just not true. They just haven't maybe had a genuine connection with somebody yet today. And like, you can be that for somebody and then see this whole other side of them. And then also see the whole other side of like the world that you live in. And that's also easy, of course, easy gateway to then start to make a friendship. Yeah, absolutely. 
Oh my God, you're such a beautiful speaker. Like, no wonder you have a podcast, the She's Too Much podcast. Like, I, I feel like anything I throw at you, you could just give the most beautiful answer. So thank you. I'm not, I'm like torn right now. Do I ask you to share? Maybe we'll do both. First, I'll ask you as we get close to the end, if there's anything else that's coming up for you that you do feel called to share. And then I do want to talk about your podcast. So we'll, that's a separate yeah, let's yeah. say let's talk about the podcast. Yeah, okay. Let's let's hear let's hear about the impetus, like because I love the name and like the why behind it, and then yeah, where people can find it. Totally. So I I really like to talk. <laughs> no, you're so good at it. So it's good. Talker, <laughs> um, always have, and I I love to talk as much as I love to listen. Truly. So. I am like insatiably curious and I feel like the podcast for me was like the perfect medium to really sit down with some of these concepts that have really been on my heart. Like why do women apologize 10 times more than men do? And like dig into the research of it. Like why do I feel like I can't trust myself? Like what are the reasons for these things? And then also like what a great excuse to, as you know, invite people to be in these incredibly potent intentional portals yeah. to have really deep, meaningful conversations with people who we find inspiring or interesting in some way. So always really wanted to do the podcast, but wasn't sure about the lane. Like, do I want to make it very like practical how to grow your wellness business, which I have another podcast coming out next year that'll be more of the strategic side of like really how to grow the business mm -hmm. but that what I wasn't I felt like that's what I should do because I was like that'll really complement my business and my courses but that's not what I really wanted to do then and so it took like some years truly I probably thought about wanting to launch in like 2018 and just kept feeling like now's not the time now's not the time and then I remember I had like two of my girlfriends over and we're eating, eating dinner. These are like really close friends to me. But I had, it was about, oh, I would say maybe like seven months after my separation from my fiance. And I had never told them like the full breakup story before. And we just kind of got into it. And I, you know, we're sitting there and all crying and just like, oh my God, like it was a rough, rough breakup. And through that experience, it was like one, it was a one night decision. I was like, wow, all of this relationship could have been defined as I'm just too much. And I realized that like every part of me that makes me feel like I'm too much for society and for certain people are truly the exact things that I love about myself. Like if I get really honest with myself, like my boldness, my passion, my flavor, my desire to live a life and a life of pleasure and joy and play and purpose is truly what I love about myself. And the breakup story and that experience really just highlighted like, holy moly, like this is so many people's issue is like they either think that they're asking for too much or they feel like you know, they're just truly not enough. It's just not enough. And so that was really where like the name came from of just like the theme of I am just tired of listening to not tired of listening to my clients. They can talk all day. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm tired of hearing that women just feel like what they want is too much when really it is like 
the opportunity for them to be so much more of who they are is like really their true destiny. And so that was really the the impetus behind it. And it's been so fun. Like I'm loving it so much. It's so good. It's so good. And I told you, even just your trailer is so good. I'm like, did I just listen to that like many times? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh my God. I I truly know we could have gone on for so long, but I'm just, I just want to say thank you so much for like your time. And we didn't even talk about Reiki, but I honestly feel like you are, your beingness is uh, in and of itself an example of what Reiki does for you because you have such pure, you are bold energy, but it's so pure. It's not like, you know, because people can hear bold and have all these connotations with it, but it is like just your radiant true like but it's so pure it's like you have like the whitest energy ever and it's like so beautiful just to be in your presence oh my gosh thank you so much that's so sweet i think you articulated reiki really well like reiki is just love energy that's it so like if you have a call to experience reiki and get attuned and get acquainted with it do it because it's just it's just seeing the world with more loving eyes seeing yourself with more loving eyes and just tuning into that frequency as much as you possibly can. So I think I agree. I feel like we talked about it completely. Imagine you arrive to a luxury home in the middle of Joshua Tree, California. Your phone is taken. You won't see it again for four days. And with it, all of your roles are stripped away. No responsibility to anyone, just you. You breathe in the crisp desert air and a sense of calm washes over you. Mm, Here I am. You spend your days sipping lavender elixirs, giggling with a group of women, learning the magic of Reiki. You make art. You write poetry. You sit in intimate silence with yourself. You dance and move in ways that shock you. You use your voice in ways that liberate you. You practice Reiki on yourself and your new friends. These women feel like you've known them for lifetimes. By the second day, your senses have become more activated, more attuned, more sensual. Colors have texture, sounds taste delicious. Time expands and bends in the present moment. Your intuition is crystal clear, and with it, your psychic senses are becoming refined. You're trusting. Nights are spent sitting around a fire, gazing up at the stars, dipping in and out of the hot tub. On the final day, you hug your new besties and you head home connected, ready to spread your magic. This is the Magic Woman Retreat. Hosted from March 21st to March 25th, 2024. There are five spots left as of today. December 12th, this is an intimate group of women who are all there to feel and experience the healing powers of Reiki. You will be certified to level one Reiki. If you are curious about this experience and you feel the call, just DM me on Instagram. Super easy, at samantha.bove. I'll be waiting.